Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation, and you take it from there. Good day. Good day. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, everyone's silent for five seconds. <laughs> King Kong. <laughs> Justin, we're not going to listen to you when there's coffee involved. It's right. So we are trying. Um, we have, after the episode, gone through and said, okay, talked to each other, said, you know what? Someone could take what you said as being offensive. And uh, we're like, what? What do you mean? And so, of course, you can always be misunderstood when you're talking. But uh, we thought, okay, well, if we say something that one of us feels is offensive or someone could take as offensive, that we're going to call them out and ask the person to explain themselves. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, maybe there won't be as many misunderstandings, but who knows? So today, <laughs> today we talk about dehumanizing. Speaking of offensive. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I'm figuring we were talking about putting a bell in the room for when someone says something they think is, could be taken as offensive. I'm afraid the whole episode might be a bunch of bell ringing. <laughs> so I um, thought we'd start by uh, defining this. And so for the definition on Webster's or something to that effect, it says to treat someone as though they are not human um, and then to deprive of human qualities personality, or spirit. So, take it away, Tom. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, what is, what Why is... me? No, I'm just, What is current, um, what's going on right now where um, there is the large risk of dehumanizing others or there is a group or in the news and this and that of uh, people being dehumanized for what reasons? The first, go ahead, Tom. And first, Justin, what was your what was your reasoning? What gave you the idea that we should talk about this today? I'm well, curious. Okay, what I, you know what I don't know the exact example, but on a previous episode, you two <laughs> kind of had a thing to where I think I used the word Islamic terrorist. Ah, oh, that was it. And, mm-hmm. and Tom ding, felt ding, like ding, using ding, ding, ding. the word Islamic terrorism, but dehumanized Islamic people. Ah, oh, thank you guys. There's our. Ah, little, and little I said you're naming the issue. Ooh, and so wait, wait, wait. Say that again. Well, what's Archbishop um, Justin says that we ought to use the term because it it names the problem, not me. Mm. <laughs> so <sighs> whenever I love, I, I love that song. <clears throat> I mean, my I have a few. Uh, Islamic friends, and they would say they're not Muslim. So that's why it was offend. I mean, that was my only thing was, and whenever we say like a Christian, wait, 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 yeah, you gotta back that up. Yeah, what? Yeah, Islamic, that. They would not say they're Muslim. No, they would say the terrorists are not being Muslim. Oh. They're not really <laughs> Muslims if they're, um, and they would quote passages from their scriptures that say, you know, don't take a life. Each human life is precious. The Quran. Yeah, and. Um, but then Everett pointed out to me that... So this is all of a sudden became a show about retractions from formerly offensive things we've said. <laughs> so 
Not to go down a rabbit tra- rabbit trail, but rabbit away. And then you said that well, our clans members Christian terrorists, and I said, well, I guess you could make that point. So hmm. I think Everett might have ultimately won that debate. I don't know. Or West. I mean, I, what, what I think what I think what I think it means <laughs> is for, for for Christians who want to use the term Islamic terrorism, that it needs to also they also need to be willing to use it against clans folk who in the name of Christ are committing acts of, of violence and terror. And so you know, for me that's a that's that's that is it's a, a good form point. of Christian terrorism. Right. And do you see that there is value excuse me, value in calling it that what it is? Is that what you were saying a minute ago? Well it it, it enables us to to have the conversation as to whether it's consistent with the teachings of Jesus Christ or not. So if we're trying to set the, you know, if they're both, if they're claiming that they're doing something as a result of the reading of, of, of scripture, mm. um, of the Bible, then it enables us to have a conversation of here's where I think that you're wrong. Here's how I read Jesus's teachings or the scriptures differently than you. So it provides a narrative in which for us to have a conversation or at least to debunk and say, this is why they're in fact wrong in a similar way in which Tom's friends um, if you talk about folks who, who in the in the name of, of their you know Muslim faith, are committing these acts of terror, um, then you know having that that narrative of this is in fact what we how we read the Quran and what our teachings uh, lead us to do, and this is why we're different. It, it it names the it names the narrative and where they diverge. So you know I I think it's I think it's it's helpful. Now I I will concede that I think that it's generally used widely in the culture as a way of sometimes trying to paint a broad brush to say that all Muslims are terrorists or, or all Muslims, you know, are, you know, potential terrorists. Right, right. And that's not the way that it should be, should be used. Good. I don't mind naming... Maybe the KKK or something as Christian terrorists for me as a Christian, but I just, I guess I I don't know about making that decision for someone else. You know what I mean? But I, Everett's point is good. It it does bring up the conversation. It makes us able to have the conversation. So, are you concerned? Would you be concerned with offending the KKK? No. I'm just, I'm just curious. That, that kind of came to mind. I was like, are you worried? Or are you as a person worried about, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you or, you or your group, you know? Um, just thinking about it out. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a really interesting, you know, thing to think about. Right. Well, because you, you, they are, they exist, right. right? I mean, it's not that they don't. It's right. not made up. They exist. Yeah. And so from our point of view, are you, um, I, I I mean, because then, then you said it, and I, you know what, you may have just already answered this. You go back to, well, they're acting on something that they have read through the biblical narrative, maybe. <laughs> I assume. I have no idea what their yeah. basis is. Um, but they I'm not feel, an expert on clan theology. I know. that. Me neither, right? I didn't. I... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, um, you know, and. and but I think, but 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 I think there's a difference between um, 
you know, maybe my interaction with the clan versus a person who is an individual who, who, who belongs to the clan. And so I think, you know, I don't know, there might, maybe there's a distinction there. I don't know. So I, um, in reading about dehumanizing, I came across a passage. Um, so I'm just going to cherry pick this. And um, it is in the whole armor of God uh, part of Ephesians. And uh, so thinking about that, it just actually just kind of led me into this. So in Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Um, and so for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That is also uh, translated elsewhere as human enemies. So it's not about the individual, which is what I think you just said. That's why I pulled that in. Um, is that? I do think we have to see with the eyes um, of faith that we can. We have to see people for what they can be, not what they are. You know, we have to see the image of Christ in people. It says in Corinthians, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is, no longer regard people from a human point of view or earthly point of view, worldly point of view. So we have to, but that being said. You're losing your touch that you can't pull chapter Yes, verse. I brought my I Bible know. and read from it. Sorry. I mean, I, I'm, I apologize for talking. I feel bad. <laughs> well, and, 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 and that, that, that imagery is sort of echoed um, in, in the baptismal covenant in the Episcopal Church about mm. seeking and serving Christ in all persons, respecting the dignity of every human being. And this is something Bishop Ed Nice. You know, often says is is that you know, as many times as he looks, is that there is no asterisk on the every. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this though. Please do. Um, Where's my bail? Did Jesus respect the dignity of the Pharisees when he said, "You know, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites"? Like, where do we? I know. I I like that. I full supporter of the baptismal doctrine, you know, uh, I mean of the covenant, but I'm just asking the question, what, how do we respect the, di- and that's what this question is about, how do we respect the dignity of every human being? Really, this is totally not have anything to do with dehumanizing. We'll get that. I think it does. Okay. Um, and I'm, <clears throat> go ahead. How do we Keep respect going. the dignity of every human being as our baptismal covenant calls us to, because we're all made in the image of God. How do we do that while still saying, calling, you know, racism is wrong, not being worried about offending the clan, as we said a minute ago. All right. How do we... Well, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that, that difference of opinion, um, or even saying, you know, hey, I totally disagree with your understanding of this, or, you know, I, I, don't, I don't understand how you get to that, to that point of belief. I don't... I, that's... That, to me, is not dehumanizing. What's dehumanizing is is when you sit there and go, you know, you know it'd be better off that you were dead. You know, you're worthless. You know, um, it, it's the language that we use to, to, to describe the person where their belief suddenly means is that they are no longer worthy. Their opinions may not be worthy in our eyes. They're not But human. they should be st- still worthy. Hmm. Okay. There's... um. One article or blog post I read, I guess, he uh, 
whoever it was, I don't know, um, and maybe I should cite those somewhere, but um, they talked about making, um, you know, the, the idea is that when you dehumanize someone, you make them not human. Mm-hmm. So calling someone a rat, mm-hmm. right, is the very basic um, level of dehumanizing or saying that they, because of race, race, religion, nationality, and the list goes on and on, mm-hmm. um, sexual orientation, whatever it is, that you, by saying something that makes them, back to the definition, deprives them of human qualities or personality or spirit, is what dehumanizes them. And so you may look at an entire race and say, well, they're all blank, mm-hmm. right? Every one of them are blank. And um, it, one thing I also read is that said, that bang the table, sorry. Oh, ding, am I gonna, <laughs> ding. Uh, it said when you begin to refer to people groups, person groups, as those people mm-hmm. is when you have reached that state of, of dehumanizing others. So You see that in wartime, the political cartoons, like from the 40s, especially mm-hmm. like the Germans and the Japanese don't look quite human. And you stop calling them right. Germans or Japanese. You start calling them derogatory names because it's hard to kill people that you see as a human or a child of God. Yeah. It makes so much more sense that the word child is in that phrase now because it's, you know, everyone was once a child and it, go ahead. Well, I, you know, and, 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 and I think that the hard part is, is that, that, that our life experience sometimes leads us to those positions and, and what, and it's not a defense of it, but, you know, um, I remember when I was doing hospital chaplaincy and I encountered a, a World War II vet. And, and he, you know, we were talking and he just had some racist views mm-hmm. about a, a, a Japanese doctor that was at the hospital. And, you know, and, 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 it, and, and in no way am I defending, you know, this patient's, you know, positions or whatever. But, you know, the experience of, of that war continues to form how he experiences an entire people group. And it doesn't make that right. Not it doesn't defend it, but I think, you know, I mean, it, it th- those are those are experiences that are hard to just simply you know walk away from. Right, right. And I would say that tied in with the propaganda you just mentioned, and that repeatedly. Um, I mean, I, you know, I can't speak to this because I've never been in the army, so I don't know what goes on in pre-war time um, and what kind of coaching and whatever else goes on. But tying that propaganda, which you said, and the idea that you're out and you have to go fight, um, yeah, someone could develop those kind of views and things like that. The, I think I mentioned this another one time, is is at any point when you, someone, it, they were five years old, sitting across from the kitchen table of mom and dad, everything that comes out of mom and dad's mouth is the truth to them. Uh-huh. And if their views are, you know... Racist. Racist, whatever it is, you're accepting it without any <laughs> questioning. Um, you know, that's kind of the pre-conventional wisdom. It's like, oh, well, mom and dad said it, and I trust them. They feed me. They provide for me. They give me food. So I trust everything they say. That's how the world works right there. And then you have to deconstruct that at some point, if you are going to get away from it and 
only through love, guidance, and teaching can you be start that deconstruction process. If no one ever steps in and challenges that with love, grace, and mercy, if it's always just that defensiveness, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, um, then you're not going to change your views. You're going to strengthen them. Yeah, you, out dig, of you dig your heels in. If you it, sit there and go that right. you know you're a horrible person because you believe that way, right. right? I you know, but but I but I also get to say that as a person of privilege, mm. right? <laughs> I mean, no, you know, no. mm. Mm. everyone all together. Um, yeah, that's our drinking game <laughs> when we say mm. <laughs> coffee. Sorry, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. Well, I mean, I just, I mean, I mean, I, I get to say that as well. You know, um, the way that, that you respond to views that, that somebody might say were racist or wrong, I say it in this culture from a place of privilege as being a straight white male, middle upper income, where as you know, the person who's been historically disenfranchised and has had to, to fight harder to get ahead. You know, says, well, that must be really nice to mm-hmm. to have that luxury. It must be nice to sit around here with our Starbucks coffee and a microphone in a nice place studio and talk about these things. You know, it's I, I I'm glad you brought that up. Um, there is a there's also something that that I've seen in in the news and just following different people on Twitter to where um, the Islamic terrorist label that we were talking about earlier, um, there is a pattern that is outlined in our country to where white, um, and and just for lack of a better term, white terrorist acts are not called terrorism, Mm -hmm. not referred to them. Like Dylan Roof that that killed um, the folks in the the AME. Charlotte Charlotte 9, is that what it's called? Yeah. And uh, there seems to be something to where anytime there is a white person involved, they don't refer to it as terrorism. What was that face, buddy? <laughs> was that an itch? I was that... trying not to make my chair squeak. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, oh, Tom's got something to I say. I was thinking about Timothy McVeigh. <laughs> yes. That was terrorism. And what was I mean, it, it called? It, Do you remember? I, I don't remember. That's 21 yeah. years? I was thinking that it was... Terror in the heartland. They did call it was terrorism, it? but it was, an, it was against the U.S. government. If I, I mean... Right. So maybe that's why it was okay for us to call it that in our culture. Because it didn't challenge... It didn't challenge the establishment. I don't know. It's kind of silly for us to be talking about... Challenge. I mean, we're pretty establishment, right? Yeah. So, Who's we? This whole episode might need to get a ding, right? Just us talking Why? about this. No, because I think we're... someone has to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the whole point. That's true. And if we, saying... I, I mean, we 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 easily may have already said things that are offended people, and, and and that is not in the least bit our goal but i will not sit here and say that we are completely informed educated and enlightened enough to not say something because we are three white you know middle class upper whatever you said middle class people that don't have to go through what how much of society does every day so we are speaking from a place but if this begins a conversation to where someone can learn we can be taught informed or you know the spirit moves and we're 
called in a different direction because of it, then I think that we have to have this conversation, even as we begin the conversation. I was thinking about that, and, um, you know, isn't that where the, all of the seed parables come from, where yeast, those are all beginnings. And so beginning these conversations with the risk of offending <laughs> each and every person on the other end of this, whatever it is, microphone or speaker, I think we have to talk about this. So, sorry, soapbox moment. No. Ding. <laughs> I, I, Justin and I were, before we were recording, uh, I talked about, I had a, a seminary professor, and she, she used to use the term the tyranny of feelings. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, um, and how, how sometimes the feelings were a way of shutting down conversation as opposed to a place of entering deeper into the conversation. Mm. Um, mm, sorry. Yeah, and so the moment in which, in which you know, like, I mean, I don't know, if we're in a room full of people and I began to talk about abortion, you know, you're going to have some people who are going to automatically, oh, yeah, 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 he's right, and other people are, are going to, you know, well, you're, you're going at the core of who I am and, 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 and you know, the, the language that we use in our culture is, you know, you know I don't, I feel this way and because I feel this way then you need to change or you need to own my feelings as well and I think that in this whole conversation about dehumanizing is is I do think that there is a cultural temptation of just using the word feelings as a way of shutting off conversation when really it's it's the feelings that we're trying to to figure out like why do why do I feel this way why do you feel this way um Right now, I'm thinking of that episode of The Office Diversity Day. Yeah, where they, you know, they all had the placards on the front of their head with they have to describe a different race. It was the most uncomfortable. Really, dirty minutes of TV of my life. And they started and conversations, and you remember it. How how big is it that you remember? It? Well, uh, just because of how painful it was. Exactly. Um. So Michael Scott was right. Well, but I mean, I, I, what's fun? I mean, what's I think you know, kind of growing up in the in the corporate culture for a while. I think it, for a while that they were sort of a caricature of well, if we just go in and do this di- corporate diversity training, then everything in in the culture is fine, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> and so Michael Scott, um, the sort of an idiot, you know, completely does it the wrong way. <laughs> is Ding. is offensive, you know, but. You know, he, he sort of gets at the heart of some things, which is is that we naturally hold views about, you know, certain groups of people. I mean, it is just we, we apply certain values, um, good and bad, to groups of people. And, and in some ways, I, I mean, it, it's, it, his thing is, is true um, because I think there's a human instinct in which we make kind of broad judgments about groups of people good and bad ding (laughs) well and and when i think about this and that is because we're broken and in this broken system of culture um i think is what the term to use in this so um if we go to dehumanizing there is um Immediately, the, the slavery, mm-hmm. right, um, and Holocaust, 
are two things that came to mind when I when I thought about this originally. And so there are in slavery in areas that I've read about slavery, the um, thought was that um, African Americans are not human, and so even through the eyes of their masters at the time, they looked at them as uh, lazy and not human and unable to uh, become educated and all these things that are completely and utterly untrue. But for them, for that situation, it made it easier for that person to think about that person in this, you know, non-human qualities to be able to do what they did to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we are still in mid process of recovering from that cultural idea. Um, again, if that's the right word. So we're trying to be to, um, rebound, you know, to make things right, if you will, uh, uh, in that area. And, and we still, the three of us and many of us still have the ideology that was created back then. And I think we're still trying to come through, um, that there's a, there's a book I'm reading. I'll get into this called, uh, I don't have my phone. Uh, Trouble I've Seen by Drew Hart, and it's talking about racism and um, the church mm-hmm. and how there was an example of he sat down in, uh, I don't know, Charlotte, I think. I, I don't remember exactly where it was. But he sat down with a white pastor. They met at a McDonald's, and there was a scenario, and I'll try and keep this short. They both had cups, and they both had, you know, there's a logo, McDonald's logo on one side and, and some writing on the other. And... Um, the, the white pastor said, you see, look at these cups on my side. I see the logo. And when you're looking at your side, you see the writing. I don't know what you see on your side and you don't, and you don't know what I see on my side. And, and Drew Hart said, no, that's not true. I know what's on both sides of the cups. You don't know what's on my side. Mm-hmm. And we can't put ourselves into the place of the African-American community and what they go through. And that's where I think opening up discussion, understanding, studying, reading, and things like that will only be the only thing uh, through grace, mercy, and love that will educate us enough to stop this, what the culture has created in us as these views. Hmm. Say that one more time. You think the only thing... The only thing... Yeah, you know what? And that's a statement I should ding myself on because I, I, this is, again, coming from my view, you know, my thoughts. I, that sounded really great and, like I said, something really important, but it's just a thought that I've, uh, but through grace, mercy, and love and allowing another voice to speak to us and to listen to them and just shutting up, not saying, but, 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 but you know, when someone's trying to say, Here's what I see and here's what I live through. And even walking into the conversation, maybe understanding or, or going into it going, you know what, I'm wrong. I'm not going to know what's going on in this conversation. No matter how much my mind tells me I do, I don't know because I haven't lived it. So through grace, mercy, and love and opening up and trying to understand, can we truly only begin the uh process of understanding what others go through reminds me of a friend who said said everyone's against gay marriage until it's sally's marriage well sally and Anne, they're different right because they know them you know what i mean yes and they've been yes. their neighbors yes. for 30 years well that's different 
you know? They just need somebody to share life with. Right. And they're they're against it politically. They vote a certain way, but then they're not against Sally and Ann, right. you know? Which there are no real Sally and Ann. That's just an example, but... It's a relationship, yeah. right? And that's what Drew Hart spoke about in this book, too, is because he went to a predominantly white college and after time he was accepted but even in discussions he would say that his white friends would say well you're not like others mm-hmm. you know and he and he's saying what does that mean how do you get to that point but i mean at the time he didn't know to say anything about it and you know that's why he's writing about it now so uh, but yeah exact same thing you're one of the good ones yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's one of the another phrase that's used because you're different. Um, you know, it's like different from what? From this incorrect dehumanizing um, ideology that we've created around certain people groups. Well, and and I don't know. We're probably running close to end of time, but you know, I mean, you think you know one of the issues, particularly within the church, of having these kind of conversations is is that the church is is for the most part highly segregated. You know, um, we, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know what percentage, you know, each of our churches are that are not right. Right. sort of white. You know, my guess is, is probably the second largest group would be Native Americans. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, the church is not diverse. I can't remember who it was, said that the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America. God, really? Wow. Wow. Tom, any final thoughts? Well, I just want to say as we close out, you two are some of the good ones, too. (laughs) (laughs) Ding! I didn't mean that the way it sounded. (laughs) Sorry. You know, I think there are... I think, okay, and that's, that's... I think there are some extremely hard... Um bothersome you know it's it's like when you sit down it's it's the i guess it's a metaphor of looking in the mirror and realizing you know the as as parents you want to believe that your children are gold right perfect Mm -hmm. but if you continue to tell yourself that lie your children will suffer because of it because if you look at them and anytime someone comes to you and says hey, well, so-and-so did this. No, they would never do that. If you can't accept, and that is so ego, hard-hitting on the ego when someone tells you, um, your kid stole something from me. What? Not my Sally. Let me get back to Sally. Not my Sally. She would never do something. It's, it's hard. And so turn that around and have someone come to you and say, well, you're participating in something that is dehumanizing to this people group. <gasps> I mean, it just crushes your spirit. It really does. And I think through just <laughs> how many times have I said grace, mercy, love, should we accept the fact that it's not right right now and we need to be open and ready to receive things that we're going to have to set with painfully and just try and not be right for once. Anything else? Nope. 
I can't think of anything. Any other book ideas? So that book, again, was Trouble I've Seen by Drew Hart. You can catch it on Amazon, and it's a wonderful read. There's a, a great book by uh, Rabbi Sachs um, called Dignity of Difference, and he's talking about within the interfaith traditions. But it's a great way of, of seeing within the faith traditions of, of what's unique and beautiful and true about each one. And, mm. um, and, and, and so the point he's getting at is just let, you know, be who you are um, in a pluralist world. Um, and, and in doing so, you will, you will love, your, love your neighbor who is different than you. Nice. So dignity of difference. Dignity of difference. Nice. Well, I'm reading Will Fall, which has nothing to do with <laughs> any of these topics. But. Will Fall? Wolf Hall. Wolf. That's kind of a historical hey. novel. Is it? Yeah. You read some interesting stuff. Excuse me. All right. May the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at, at FunDrainPod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.